Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast called Living on Purpose. My name is Yafa Palti. I am your host for the evening, and I am so happy that you're all joining me. And tonight, we are going to be talking about Be'ezat Hashem, Failure of Happiness. The title of our class is Happy is the New Pretty, um, kind of a, 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 a shift on what happiness really is, because I think we all think that we understand happiness, maybe some of us do, but happiness is something that needs to be learned and understood, which is weird, I'll tell you why, because really, really, happiness is something that's so simple. It really shouldn't even be a topic, like we shouldn't have a topic called how to be happy and how to maintain happiness, because we have turned it into something so much bigger than it is and something so much more complicated than it actually is. So what I want to accomplish tonight is let's try to bring back the simplicity of happiness by maybe understanding what it really is. And in order to get there, we're first going to understand what it's not. So we're going to try to bust a few myths about happiness and hopefully reach a conclusion about what true happiness is and maybe how to reach the happiness that we're all looking for. And I say all because I really believe that most people spend most of their lives pursuing this thing called happiness. And it's not our fault. This is, it's in our blood, especially as Americans. It's in our DNA. It's in our Constitution, which, by the way, I completely agree with most things, and I am a very, very proud American, but I think that the idea of the pursuit of happiness is misleading and an impossible expectation. It is not realistic. What is the pursuit of happiness? Is that even a thing? So to me, when I think of the pursuit of happiness, I literally have this image in my mind of people running running and chasing happiness. But the problem is that I picture them on a treadmill. They're on a treadmill and they're running, running, running frantically, trying to reach that happiness and they're staring at happiness. They're looking at what they think happiness is, but they're running and running and running and clearly they can't reach it. They're never going to reach it because they're on a treadmill and they're not actually going anywhere. And pursuing happiness and constantly running after it doesn't bring you happiness. The only thing that happens from that is you get extremely exhausted. And that's when we get so tired, which is out of breath from all that running, and it brings you nowhere. So it pulls you down into despair. When we have a certain expectation, which we all do because we expect that when a certain thing happens in life, we're going to be happy right? I'll be happy when, and we, 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 this, we have like the happiness race, you know? And right now, I'm not happy because things in my life aren't where they're supposed to be, right? I'm still confused. I'm still lost. I still don't know what I want, where I'm going, but I will be happy when, and we have this anticipation of happiness that will happen based on a certain external circumstance that will create that happiness for us. And the problem with that is, here, it's a cycle a little bit, because here we have, okay, I'll be happy when I finish college. I'll be happy when I get a job. I'll be happy when I leave this job and find another job. I'll be happy when I get married. I'll be happy when I get divorced. Like, where does the cycle stop? When will I finally be happy? It's this never-ending happiness race. 
And, and the reason we can't be happy when we look at happiness as the goal is as the target. Happiness can't be the target because happiness is a moving target. If I cannot be happy in the place that I am in right now, then I'll never actually be able to be happy because at what point will I stop the race? At what point will I stop the chase? So the first myth that we need to bust is that happiness is the target. Happiness is a goal. What do you want to be? You know, you ask, you think to yourself, what, what do you want to be when you go out? I, I don't care. I just want to be happy, right? Everything is all about being happy. What do you want your child to be? I just want them to be happy. That's the goal that we set. And what we need to understand is that happiness can't be the goal. It can't be the target because it's a moving target. And what are the odds of actually hitting a target when it's moving? Okay, it's pretty slim. It's really, really hard to hit a moving target. So number one, happiness cannot be the target. Happiness can't be the destination. Actually, listen, we're going to get poetic for a minute. Happiness is not the destination. Happiness is a way of traveling. Because what's supposed to happen is that happiness is a byproduct of living your life in the way you're supposed to live it. That's how we acquire happiness, which we'll get to soon. Because first, I'm still trying to bust a few myths over here. So let's have in mind first what happiness isn't. It is not a destination. It's not a goal. It's not a target. Happiness is not someone else's responsibility. Because how often do we think that there's someone who can make me happy or someone who should make me happy or I'm not happy because of this person or that person? If any of you have children, this probably happens often with your children. They get upset. They fight. <clears throat> What's the matter? He made me so angry. So I always tell my kids, he didn't make you angry. Nobody else can make you angry. Maybe he can provoke you, but you're the one who's getting angry. It's your decision. And it works the same way with happiness, right? Nobody else can make me happy. Do I really want to put the key to my happiness in someone else's pocket? Who's living my life, me or them? And it's not even a fair expectation to depend on another person for our happiness. And I have this very often. I've been teaching brides for many years. And I ha the same scenario happens consistently. For the past 15 years that I've been teaching brides, at a certain point during our session, I ask them, I, ca I catch them off guard, and I say to them, why did you choose to marry the person that you're marrying? And 99.9% .9 of the time, if not 100, I just don't like saying 100% because um, there might be a chance that it didn't happen to someone. But m the vast majority of the time, they look at me like I'm crazy. They don't even understand the question. And they think about it a little bit, and they say, well, I I'm marrying him because I love him. And I say, well, why did you choose to love him? Now, first of all, if any of you listened to last week's podcast, we spoke a little bit about what love means and what love isn't. So first of all, they think I'm crazy because, you know, what do you mean, why did I choose to love him? I just loved him. I just fell in love, right? And we spoke last week about the idea that you, you don't just, you're not a victim of love. You shouldn't be a victim of love. Love shouldn't control you. It shouldn't control me. 
Love is something that we create and we cultivate. And and they have, you know, and it's important to understand that. You're choosing to love this person, and there has to be a specific reason. And then I continue, and I say to them, well, you had maybe 300 other guys that you have known in your life or seen in your life or could have seen. You're choosing him over every one of those men. There has to be a reason. And most of the time, they don't know how to answer that question. And when I prod them a little bit, they all answer the exact same thing. Everybody says, well, I love him because he makes me laugh. He makes me happy. And then I hit them with the question. I say, and what's going to happen in a few years when he stops making you laugh? Are you really getting married because someone makes you laugh? And you're getting married because someone makes you feel happy? I said, first of all, if you want to laugh, you don't have to get married for that. Just go watch a comedy show. Go watch some stand-up. He'll laugh your life away. Marriage is not about laughing. It's nice to have that as a part of your marriage. But it's not all about happiness. A different topic, by the way, how we mix up laughing and happiness. Oh, wait, it's not a different topic. One second. Okay. We do tend to confuse laughing with happiness. We think that when we're laughing, that means we're happy. And we think that if, if we need to be happy, that means we have to have this, like, clown this position of being all over the place and happy all the time, what we're defining as happy and laughing, and it couldn't be further from the truth. You see, this leads us to the next thing. Oh, wait, well, let me just finish what I was I'm sorry, I always interrupt myself. Um, um, so, I, so why was I saying that about my brides? Um, oh, so the idea is I say to them, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? When he stops making you happy, when he stops saying, are you going to decide that maybe he's not for you anymore? Like, oh, my gosh, he doesn't make me laugh anymore or he doesn't make me happy anymore? Because life gets tough. Soon there are mortgages to pay. Soon there are children to take care of. And some of them might have some learning disabilities. And life gets hard. And there's postpartum depression sometimes. And there's just so many things. And all of a sudden... He's not making you happy anymore because now there's a little bit of stress. So does that mean you're going to look for someone else who's going to make you happy now? Right? We need to understand why, who is responsible. And, and not only that, but I said it's not even fair to put that burden on him. It's not fair to put this burden on our husbands, on our parents, on our children, by the way. Right? Sometimes we, 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 we make it our children's job to make us happy. It's nobody's job. It's not my mother's job. It's not my husband's job. It's not my boss's job. It is definitely not my mother-in-law's job. It's not my children's job. The opposite, by the way. It's our children's job to try their very best to break us down, to crush our self-esteem, okay? And we need to, we need to learn how to be able to build ourselves up. Because if I depend on anyone else for my happiness, I'm really asking for trouble because I will never be happy if I have to depend on another person. And by the way, this can be very, very straining on relationships. If I think it's my spouse's job to make me happy and then they're not doing their job, then 
how am I viewing this marriage and how am I viewing them? And all of a sudden, all the negative things start coming out because I already think that they're not a good husband because they're not making me happy. If I think it's my mother's job or my children's job, my boss's job, I will be a very unhappy person. So the next thing we need to understand and remember is that happiness is not dependent on another person. Happiness can only be dependent on me. I am responsible for my own happiness. Now, the next thing I wanted to tell you was that um, going back to what I said before where I interrupted myself, interrupting myself, and then I tried interrupting myself again, and now we're getting back to that third interruption. So uh, we're saying that sometimes we think you have to be laugh, like happiness means laughing. And Okay, so here's where, where we confuse another idea of happiness. We think sometimes, some of us, that happiness is euphoria or that we confuse happiness with joy, right? Happiness and joy are not the same thing. Joy is momentary pleasure. Joy means that right now I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I, I, I'm having fun. I'm, in, I'm, having, I'm at a party, and it's good stuff, right? I'm laughing with friends. I'm playing. I'm, doing, I'm eating something that I love. I'm doing something that I love. That's joy. And there is a very important place for joy in our lives. But joy is not happiness. Happiness, listen carefully to, to this uh, definition of happiness. I'm going to give one definition now and another definition later, and we'll, you know, it'll all tie together. But listen carefully. If you're taking notes, I would suggest to write this down. If you're not taking notes, I suggest to start taking notes. Happiness is what happens when all the fun is over. Happiness is not the fun itself. That's joy. Happiness is what happens when the fun is over, when all of the outer excitement left and you are just left alone with yourself. That's what happiness is. When there's nothing external that's creating this feeling of joy or this feeling of euphoria, I'm left with myself right now. How do I feel in this moment? That's how we define happiness. That's how we can tell if we have happiness or not, which, by the way, you still don't know what happiness exactly is, so don't worry. We'll get to that soon, okay? So let's understand this concept of happiness versus joy. Joy is momentary. Happiness is something that is internal and eternal. It's more consistent. Euphoria is something that we often think is actual happiness. Have you ever experienced a real euphoric moment? I want you all to think for your, in your own mind right now. Um, think back to a time in your lives. It could have happened today. It could have happened yesterday, last week, last year, or 10 years ago. Was there a moment that you experienced true euphoria? You were just ecstatic, right? I'm sure you've all experienced that. Some examples of that would be childbirth. Right? If any of you have ever had a child, um, either given birth to a child or um, have a, a wife who has given birth to a child or you adopted a child, whatever it is, that moment when you get your child is this moment of absolute and complete euphoria. And you are usually, you know, in, in, you know, 
in the clouds. It's just un an unbelievable feeling of ecstasy. Now, does that feeling last? That moment of ecstasy, does that last? No, it's actually called a moment of ecstasy for a reason, right? It doesn't last. It can't last. We are not meant to be living on a high constantly. We can't. We can't function on a high. We have to be living in reality. But we often think that when we feel that euphoria, we're happy. That's happiness. And then when we don't feel it anymore, because it doesn't last. When you have a child, you know, you give birth, you're feeling so happy, so ec ecstatic. Three days later, you're you're feeling, you're down, you went, you actually a little jump down like a hundred notches, right? Often we fall into baby blues and we actually feel very down. Um, this, this, you know, this could happen for many reasons, of course, but it's very common. We don't feel that euphoria anymore. This could happen with anything, getting married. You're ecstatic. You are euphoric. It's the most incredible time of your life, you, you know, falling in love, whatever that means, and whenever that happens. Uh, but it's this amazing feeling, right? And then what happens? It doesn't last. You can't be on that high constantly every day. And the problem is that once that dies down, how does our, how does our mind work? Our brains think that we're not happy anymore because we're not ecstatic we're not euphoric and all of a sudden oh my gosh i'm not happy anymore and we spiral downward we spiral into this um sadness depression despair and this cycle just keeps going down until what do we say we say oh my gosh i need another injection of euphoria and we have to run and shoot ourselves in the arm with something else with something that has created that euphoria so you're euphoric after birth, time goes by, you're not euphoric anymore. Oh my gosh, I need that euphoric. Have another baby. No, I'm just kidding. That doesn't usually work that way. You, um, uh, you know, falling in love all of a sudden. You don't feel that euphoria after a little while. So what happens now? Here, I'm not kidding, sadly. Uh, sometimes um, we think that we're not happy anymore because we're no longer euphoric. And then we feel like we need to fall in love again. So out with the first in with the new, right? And these kind of things keep happening. We shoot ourselves in the arm with more and more injections of euphoria to keep us on that high. But, my friends, that isn't happiness. It's not sustainable, and we're not supposed to be feeling that. That, that feeling of, of ecstasy, that feeling of euphoria is a drug. And, yes, there is a reason why it's called ecstasy. It is actually a drug, and we crave that drug. We, tr we crave that feeling, and we chase after it and want more and more and more of it, but it's not healthy to have too much of it. We're not supposed to have it in big doses, and we're not supposed to maintain that level. So let's understand that happiness is not a feeling that goes up and down in waves of euphoria and unhappiness. Right? If you can see my hand right now, I'm literally like making these mountains in the air going up and down, up and down. Um, it's not that. It's, if we don't have these highs and lows. Highs and lows in happiness are not healthy and highs and lows in love are not healthy. By the way, if you haven't figured it out yet, there is a very legitimate connection between love and happiness as well. And ironically, people sometimes think love brings happiness, uh, which isn't necessarily true. 
Um, but there is a very, very uh, big connection between them. We said last week that we are responsible for our love. We're also responsible for our happiness, right? And I'm repeating that again now because that is the truth. We could control it. If we have a mitzvah to love, we have the mitzvah because we are capable of deciding and choosing who to love and who not to love. If we have a mitzvah to be happy, which we do, by the way, we have a few different mitzvot in the Torah to be happy. We have mitzvah to be happy on the holiday of Sukkot, which is crazy hard, by the way, because our kids are home from school for an entire week. It's a real difficult mitzvah. We have a mitzvah to make a chatan and kala happy, or a chasen and kala, whatever your havara is. We have mitzvah to make them happy. We have mitzvahs to be happy. Other times, there are there are we are commanded to do it. So we really understand from from the fact that we're commanded to be happy that we have the capability and and the ability to actually control and be in charge of our happiness to choose who how to be happy and when to be happy and to allow ourselves to be happy. So um so let's understand that happiness is not what's the first thing we said? Happiness is not a destination, a goal, a target. The second thing we said was happiness is not another person's responsibility. It's only ours. And the third thing we said was happiness is not euphoria. Happiness doesn't have its highs and lows. Highs and lows in happiness is not healthy. Highs and lows in love is not healthy. Right? It's not about uh, reaching these, these places of euphoria and then, and then spiraling down to a low and then getting right back up again. Um, those, those are not healthy. Okay? Here's the thing about happiness. Um, as I mentioned, you know, we spend so much of our time chasing it, and we turn it into something so much more complicated than it is because happiness really doesn't have to be that hard. It really, really doesn't have to be something that we chase and chase and chase. We chase it to the end of the world sometimes. People move homes, they move cities, they move countries because they're just not happy and they think something else will make them happy or someone else will make them happier. And the thing is about happiness is that wherever you go, you take yourself with you. There is nothing in another place that can make you happy if it can't make you happy where you are right now. And I'm saying that literally and metaphorically, either a physical place or an emotional place, whatever it is, wherever you are, that's where you need to find your happiness. You can't chase it. You're not going to find it in another place. And take this from someone who's lived in many places. I've lived in so many different countries and so many different cities and among so many different types of people. And every place I moved to, I had to create my own happiness. I couldn't depend on anyone else, especially I've lived in places, some of you know this about me, I lived in Mexico, which was a very difficult place for me to live in, extremely difficult, especially I didn't speak any Spanish, and the culture was very difficult. And eventually I learned Spanish, but even so, it was just a very difficult uh, time in my life. And every morning I woke up and the first thought in my mind was, Yasa, today you're going to be happy. You are choosing happiness today. And that's how I started off my day, every single day. We cannot depend on our happiness to happen in any other place. Wherever you go, you take yourself with you. Nothing's going to change if you don't create that change. And that change can happen anywhere. That choice, that decision can happen wherever you are at whatever 
point in life and whatever stage in life, wherever you are. Um, so let's understand now, okay, now we said what happiness isn't, a whole list of things that happiness isn't. Now let's talk a little bit about more of a definition of happiness, what it is, how to acquire it. Before we get there, I just want to know, does anybody want to call in? This is live. So if anybody wants to call in, do you have any questions? I'd love to hear from you. I'd love uh, for this to be interactive. Otherwise, I will, I will continue on in another minute. But first, I'd love to see if anybody wants to pick up the phone and be brave, introduce yourself, say hello. Anybody out there? Do you know the number, by the way? Hold on, I'm going to tell you the number. The number is 319-527-4160. Got that? 319-527-4160. Now I really feel like a radio announcer. <sighs> that was cool. Anybody? Okay. So I will continue talking, but if you do call in, I'll see your number there and I will try to answer. Okay? All right. Um, so where were we now? Another self-interruption. By the way, I also wanted to mention that uh, you might think it's a little weird that we're talking about happiness in the month of Av when, I mean, we're not supposed to be happy. It is actually the saddest month of the year. Tishabav is almost here. It's in a few days, and that is the saddest day of the year, literally. So why are we talking about happiness? And here's the thing that's important to understand. Um, we know the famous uh, teaching from our sages in the month of Adar, which is, by the way, the month of extreme happiness, Adar. And we all were all familiar probably with this famous quote, Misha Nechnas Adar Marvin Besimcha. When Adar comes, our joy increases. We have a very similar saying about the month of Av, similar but actually exactly the opposite, right? We have Misha Nechnas Av Mimatim Besimcha. When Av comes, we decrease our happiness. So here's what's interesting. Our happiness is supposed to be decreased because we're supposed to be feeling the morning of the Beit HaMikdash, but it doesn't say that we're not supposed to be happy. We always have to be happy, but just the level decreases because there's a time and place for everything. In the Torah, Judaism, is all about boundaries. And there have to be boundaries with everything in life. Our happiness needs boundaries also. Everything in order to be healthy, in order to be stable, we need boundaries in every relationship and our relationship with ourselves included. So it's important to talk about happiness now because we still have to be happy. But the happiness has to be decreased a little so that we can focus on the morning period of the Beit Now. <clears throat> Hold on, I just lost my thing where the phone call is coming. Oh, there it is. Okay. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Hold on, I need to take a drink because something's in my throat. One second. <clears throat> okay. Um, so now let's talk a little bit about this idea that I said everybody's, you know, chasing happiness and we want to understand what it really is. You see, the problem is that we live in a world where it is a world completely surrounded by, with materialism. And it's a world, you know, we are physical beings, but we're living, I'm sorry, we are spiritual beings, 
but we're living in a physical world. And the problem is that although we are spiritual and we are souls as the essence of ourselves, we live in a physical world and we speak the language of body much more fluently than we speak soul. And therefore, we are exposed to so much of the externalities and the materialism of the world we live in. And here's the thing. We buy the things that we see. And I don't mean buying it financially, you know, with money. We believe it. We believe the things we see because that's the world we live in. And when we are born, we're born with a piece of paper in our hands that I like to call the happiness list. As soon as we come into this world, we are being taught by everyone, you want to be happy? Do you want to be happy? This is what you need to do to be happy. I'm going to give you a list. On this list, this piece of paper is everything you need. Just follow it one by one. Finish the list successfully and you will be happy. Now, what does it say on this happiness list? So, here, here, we all pretty much have the same list, okay? And it says on it, you need to be pretty, you need to be skinny, you need to be rich, you need to be successful, you need to be popular, and then you're going to be happy. And this is the list that we carry with us through our lives. And this is the list that we're constantly looking at. Am I pretty enough? Am I skinny enough? Am I rich enough? Am I popular enough? Am I successful enough? Because otherwise I can't be happy. This is what our world is teaching us. And you know what? There are plenty of people who finish this list and they're still not happy. People in Hollywood, many of them finish the list by the time they're 20 years old. Are they happy? They're not necessarily happy. Right? And that's why who are the wealthiest people in Hollywood. It is not the singers. It is not the actors. It's not the producers. It's the therapists. Because what happens when we finish the list and we're still not happy? That's when we fall into a state of panic. Oh, my gosh. They lied to me. Everybody lied to me. They told me I'll be happy, and I'm not happy. Oh, my gosh. What do I do now? And people fall into an actual state of panic. And that is when they say, I need to do something. They have this void inside them now, this horrible void of happiness that's missing. I need to do something to fill up this void. And that's when people turn to anything they can possibly find to fill themselves up, to numb themselves of this pain, of this fright, of this terrible fear of panic that they were lied to and now they don't know how to actually achieve happiness because what they were told didn't work. And this is when people turn to unhealthy behaviors and um, um, addictions and whatever else they need to keep filling up that void that's within them. So what we need to do is understand what actual happiness is because we are spending a lot of our lives and a lot of our time chasing, chasing, chasing what the world is telling us happiness is. And that's not real happiness. And that's even worse, by the way, than not chasing happiness at all. 
because when you're chasing something that you believe to be a truth and you have a certain expectation of what will happen when you reach that truth, and then that doesn't happen, you fall into a really low place. That's when you, that's when you spiral into this unhappiness, depression, despair, and you just start circling and cycling downward, downward, downward. So let's break the cycle. Let's change those expectations and try to understand what happiness is and how to achieve it. So before defining happiness, I do want to explain just very quickly a few ways of how to achieve it, all right? So um, if you look at the word in Hebrew, the word, the meaning to be in a happy state, okay, literally translates to be in a state of happiness, which, by the way, before I forget, I just want to explain, um, is what happiness actually is, okay? It's actually a state of being. We sometimes confuse happiness by being, uh, you know, something that we are given. We think that it's a state of having. When I have this, I'll be happy. When I have the money I want, when I have the spouse I want, when I have the house I want, when I have the children I want, then I'll be happy, right? We think it's a state of having. Happiness is not a state of having. Happiness is a state of being. It is actually who we are. It's not something that we want or something that we get. It becomes who we are. Now, how do we do this? How can we actually become happiness? Again, let's understand this. Happiness isn't something that you have. That's why it can't be a destination. Happiness isn't a goal. It's not something that I get. Oh, I want happiness. I want to be happy. Happiness is something that I am. It's something I become. Now, how do you say in Hebrew to be in a state of happiness? The word for that is besimcha. Besimcha means to be in a state of happiness. If you change around those letters, use every letter, but just put them in a different order. You get the word machshava, which is really cool. Anyone who speaks Hebrew here, I'm sure you figured this out already. Those who don't speak Hebrew, I'll explain it now. The say, it's no coincidence that the exact same word, just with the letters in a different order, we have to be happy and our thoughts. Machshava means thoughts. Because the place to start the place to become happy is in our minds. It's in our heads because it's a decision we need to make. It cannot happen any other way. It has to begin with us, within ourselves. And I'm sure you've heard this many times before, but the question is, how do we do that? How, right? I know, I know, I know it's with me. Everyone's telling me that. Right? I know happiness has to be me. How do I do it? So let's talk a little bit about that now. So the first thing is the biggest enemy in our lives, the biggest, because I really think that this is what creates all the evil in our lives, and this is what creates all the negativity in our lives, and all the bad feelings, and depression, and anxiety, and everything comes from one word, and that word is expectation. Expectation is such a difficult uh place to be in because most of the time if not all the time whatever we're expecting actually doesn't happen it's not that 
simple for something to happen just because we want it to happen, no matter how much we're doing for it. We don't control life in the end. And when we have expectations, we always have disappointments, always. What we need to learn to do is take the expectation and turn it into appreciation. Instead of expecting something, what are we supposed to be thinking? Because here's the thing. We, we very often think we deserve to have things. You know, I love how much we are concerned with our rights, and sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's good to stand up for the things that we believe are fair, but we so often um, demand our rights. I deserve this, and I deserve that, but we completely forget about our responsibility. Is it only about rights? Or is it also about responsibility? Rights. When I demand my rights, that means I'm a taker. I just want the world to give to me because I feel like I deserve things. Responsibility means I don't deserve anything. I have to pay the world. I want to give to the world because I'm so grateful to be in this world and for the life that I have here. That's the difference between rights and responsibility. And if we would have this understanding that we don't deserve anything, every single thing that we were given, we were given as a gift from Hashem, a gift from God because He loves us and He wants us to have these blessings. That's the only reason we have them. We don't deserve them. What are we to deserve them? Just because we were born? Just because we're inhaling and exhaling? We deserve to have good things in life, but we think we do. And then what happens when we have an expectation where I deserve and we think the world owes us? When it doesn't happen, that turns into bitterness, resentment, even depression, right? Because we didn't get what we thought we deserved. And this is something that is detrimental to us. It's detrimental to our emotional health, to our mental health, to our relationships, to our happiness. We need to take the expectation, turn it into appreciation, right? Nothing that I have is something that I deserve. It is all a gift from Hashem, an, act, an absolute gift, and I am so thankful for everything I have. So this is what the attitude should be. So let's, let's decide to do this together right now, okay? Right now, let's make this decision. Anyone who's listening to this, Let's decide that every morning when we wake up, and that's what Mota'ani is all about, right? We spoke about this last week also. Mota'ani is all about being thankful for the gifts that I have, for everything that I'm given, not just for a new life, but for every part of life, for all my talents, for all my blessings, for my money, for my family, for my health, for my home, for my job, for everything. You know, when, when people think that the world owes them something, and they tell me how disappointed they are and how upset they are. I look at them and they say, the world owes you nothing. The world was here before you. And we need to let that sink in for a minute. The world was here before we were, right? How can we possibly think that it owes us anything? And we need to understand that it doesn't. It actually doesn't. And it's to our benefit to learn to appreciate all the little things in life. So let's work on this together, all of us right now who are listening to me. 
let's work on this together. Let's learn to appreciate the small little things in life. Forget about the big things. The big things we're very often appreciative for. I think we remember to thank Hashem when something big happens, when we get a promotion, when something exciting happens with one of our children, uh, when we get a new car. I think we remember to thank Hashem. If we don't, by the way, please remember to thank Him. But if we but it's the small things that sometimes we forget. It's the little things that we think we deserve that we actually don't. And we, instead of feeling the expectation, let's start feeling the appreciation and thanking Hashem for all. And for all, oh, I'm sorry, what just happened over here? I'm sorry, I just a phone call just came in. I'm, okay. Hope you all still hear, hear me. Um, so, hold on. Oh, I just got. It's telling me that I got, that I have two messages. I'm trying to figure out where to pick up those messages. Hmm. All right. I just clicked. Q&A session, so if you have questions, you're welcome to ask them. Okay. Um, now, now I don't remember what I was saying. Um, um, okay, I just, got, I just got totally lost, so let's just carry on. Uh, so we were saying before B'Simcha Makshava that we, uh, that we could control our, uh, our happiness. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm trying to get back into it because now I ta- got totally distracted. Um, mm, okay. I really lost my entire train of thought now. All right, so I'm just going to end off with two things because we only have 15 minutes left. So I am going to end off with these two things. And, of course, if you have any questions, you can type them in because I put on the Q&A session thingy. And if you want to call, please feel free to call in. So the first thing I just want to explain is what actual simcha is. Simcha, happiness, Okay, listen carefully. Again, take out that pen. Write this down. Simcha means accepting your state in life and knowing that wherever you are right now is exactly where Hashem wants you to be. This is where you are meant to serve Him from. And this is actually something that I learned from my father. Some of you may have heard me tell this story before, but some of you did not. It's worth hearing again. Anyway, I'm going to tell it very shortly, but my father um, was sick for a, a, a quite a, quite many years. He actually had MS, multiple sclerosis, and he had the kind, there are a few different types of MS. His was chronic degenerative, and he was, he was uh, consistently getting progressively worse. And... Um, at a certain point, towards the, the last five years of his life, he was completely bedridden. He was um, paralyzed from his neck down. And even communicating with him was very complicated. He wasn't able to speak anymore. We did all these different eye games with him. And, but before he lost his ability to speak completely, he was still able to move his, move his mouth a little bit. And he had um, – and every time he would – Oh, there we go. Okay, just a weird thing was on the screen. Every time he would move his mouth, everyone in my family would rush over to him to hear what he needed to say. 
everybody would run over, what if you want to tell us? And we would put our ears to his mouth to listen to what he was saying. Now, I just want to tell you a little bit about who my father was very briefly. This was a man who, he was not a rabbi. He was a businessman, but he had such a deep connection with Hashem. He, and he never once in his 20 years of being sick, never once did he ever ask, why me? Never once was he upset. He just accepted his challenge completely besimcha, completely with happiness. Um, he after he after he died, we found a file on the computer when he was completely paralyzed, except for one finger still worked, and he typed on the computer with that one finger. He typed a list, a gratitude list of all the things he was thankful for in life. It was mind blowing. We, we actually typed up the list. And um, we, my whole family, we each got a copy of it. We have it hanging on our wall. Um, and he was the kind of person that, you know, he was paralyzed and he put on tefillin every single day. He had someone help him with tefillin and he would just lie there in bed listening to my brother who had pre-recorded the prayers for him, the tefillos, every day. And he listened to them. He was a person who didn't stop smiling. He was known for his radiant smile, even through his pain. And how people used to come constantly to the house and read to him and tell him inspiring stories and thoughts from the parsha, and they would leave the house in tears, saying, "How is it possible that he inspired us more than we inspired him? This is who my father was. This is who he was." And every time his mouth would move, we would run to listen to what he's trying to say, and he always would say one of two things. One thing that came out of his mouth was, "Ivdu et Hashem b'Simcha." I have to serve Hashem with happiness. No matter how I'm feeling, no matter what I'm doing, I have to serve Him with happiness. And the second thing that came out of his mouth was, mitzvah gedolah It is a big mitzvah to be happy. He constantly, constantly reminded himself that he has to be happy. He has to be happy. And he was. And he, all he did was smile. And even after he was paralyzed completely, we were so thankful that he still had his smile. His smile was still able to, to shine the room and, and brighten up the whole of every, to everyone who was near him. Um, we were just able to see that beautiful smile. So that's who my father was and, and always wanted to be besimcha, even in all of his pain. And I'm going to tell you, now that you have a little understanding of who he was, I just want to share with you very quickly what I learned from my father. Now, I learned this from him not because he taught it to me with words, but he taught it to me by the way he lived his life. This is the way he lived his life. There is a pasuk in Chumash um, Shemot, uh, by the story of the burning bush, where Moshe was talking to Hashem. And Hashem said to him, Moshe, he said, the place on which you are standing right now, that is a holy, holy place. So I want you to respect this place. Take your shoes off. Show respect. And Moshe did. And this is what my father taught me by the way he lived his life. This place, this is a holy, holy place. You have to respect the place that you're standing on right now. Now, this doesn't only mean the physical place you're standing on, and it can mean that. But this means the emotional place, the financial place, wherever you're standing right now, wherever you are, however you're feeling emotionally, however you are financially, however you are socially, 
however you are physically, wherever you're living, the husband you have, the children you were given, the job you have, wherever you are right now, that is your place of holiness. And it is from that place that you are to serve Hashem. Because how often do we say, I will give tzedakah when I have more money. I'm not going to give tzedakah now. I'll be a better person to other people when I'm in a better emotional place. I'll be kinder when I feel better. I'll do more when I'm in a better place. We say this all the time. And you know what? If my father would have said, oh, and also, I'll be happy when, right? I'll be happy when this happens. If my father would have said, I will daven and put on tefillin when I can actually say the words, right? I will smile at people when I feel like smiling at people. I'll inspire people when I could actually, when I'm healthy and I can stand up and inspire them. If he would have said that, he never would have inspired the thousands of people who came to his funeral who loved him so much. He never would have been happy. He never would have served Hashem in any way. You know why? Because he never got better. The place that you are standing in right now, that is your holy place, and it's from that place that you need to serve Hashem. It's from that place that you need to be the person you need to be. And now we only have five minutes left because we lost a few minutes when the conference got cut off. I'm going to quickly, quickly define happiness now that we understand that happiness has to happen right now. It has to happen from me and only me. It has to happen in the place that I'm in without looking and anticipating a future event. It has to happen this moment from me. Now let's understand what true happiness is because it's not a thing. Happiness, as we said, is not a specific thing that we're reaching for. Happiness is a state of being. Happiness is not only knowing and accepting that I am exactly where I need to be, but it's more than that. Have you ever paid money? to go to a concert, okay? I'm sure many of you have, okay? A concert is loud, booming, screaming music, okay? It's it's loud. It could be very annoying, but we love it. We love it, and we go to these concerts. Now, in contrast to that, have any of you ever been at a family dinner, okay? Think Pesach Seder for a moment, and tons of people, all the relatives and the aunts and the uncles and the cousins and the babies and the noise. And sometimes you just want to run out of your house and get some air and some quiet for a few minutes. It's loud and noisy. We don't always like that, right? What is the difference between the noise in a home that can sometimes make you dizzy and the noise in a concert that people pay hundreds of dollars to experience, okay? They're both noise and they're both loud. You know what the difference is? The difference is that one of them is chaos and one of them is harmony. When you have a life that is full of chaos, this is actually what happiness is. Happiness is that harmony. When you have a life that's full of chaos, when there is no consistency between your thoughts, your actions, your beliefs, the way you live your life and the way you think and the things you do. When there's no consistency there and there's no clear path and goal, your life is chaos. That's when you don't sleep at night. That's when we have anxiety. That's when we don't know how to function. But when everything in your life is in harmony, when there is consistency in your thoughts, your actions, your speech, your behavior, when there's a clear goal, when there's a path, when there's harmony in all the different dimensions of your life, 
that, my friends, is happiness. And that is what we call inner peace. Happiness is inner peace. Happiness isn't loud. You don't have to be loud. Happiness is quiet. It's unassuming. It's just a state that you're in. And this is why, by the way, this is why some people, some of us are afraid to be sad. Because we think that if we're sad, then we can't be happy, and we want to be happy. Because as we said, this is what we're pursuing. Life is all about being happy. So we're so afraid to be sad. We like to push those feelings away. And I want you to understand that when we understand what true happiness is, we could experience every other emotion together with happiness. It doesn't take away from it. You can still be sad because when you are happy, when you're in a state of happiness, then you know how to control all the emotions around you. You can control your sadness. The reason we're afraid to be sad is because we're afraid that the sadness is going to overtake us. It's going to take us over. And we don't want that. We're afraid of that. We'd rather be happy. But when we understand that we can be sad and we can still be happy simultaneously because the, the, the true happiness allows us to control the sadness, to control the fear, to control any other negative emotion that we're afraid of, we could have all of that together with our happiness. They can all be friends with each other, all of our emotions, as long as we understand how to truly be happy. So let's start by lowering our expectation, raising up our appreciation for the things we have in life, understanding that I am completely in charge and looking around at my life and all the things I have. Yes, I might not have everything I want, but look at the things I do have. And very often what gets in the way of our happiness is when we are so focused on the things we don't have, we forget about the things we do have. So let's try to forget about the things we don't have, to forget about any expectation, and just turn all of that into actual appreciation. Be happy in the moment. Forget about what's going to be in the future. We don't, it's, that has nothing to do with who we are right now. We have to be happy in the moment, in the place that we are in, in whatever state we're in, in whatever life circumstances we have. If we can't be happy in the place we're in right now, there is no guarantee that we're going to be happy when the next thing happens. Right? It's all just a fantasy. It's not reality. Happiness is reality. Okay, time's up. I really hope that this was helpful. Thank you so much for participating. Thank you for joining me here. And if you have any further questions about happiness, because there's so much more to say, but I'm limited by time over here, any further questions, please reach out to me. Reach out to me on Instagram, Yafa Palti. Um, I'll be more than happy to speak to you about this further. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a great night.